Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 54 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, we have owner and founder of Sands Bar, a completely alcohol-free bar experience, Chris Marshall with us. Chris really dives into connecting to himself. On this episode, you can actually hear and almost see how the real Chris Marshall develops right between your ears, or your eyes for that matter. This episode is very, very special, and it's just really a true testament to what can happen when we truly connect to ourselves and realize that being you is your greatest superpower. So, let's get into it. Chris, I am so stoked to talk to you today. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad to talk to you today. Yeah, I mean, you. I want to know what you've been up to. Like, you've got a lot of stuff going on. Sands bar, like, what is it? How did it start? I want to jump into that for sure. But I want to know about the man behind everything. I want to know about Mm. you and your story and um, how that came to be. So can you give us a little insight to the history of Chris Marshall? Yeah, Chris Marshall. (laughs) So, you know, I'm really glad. First of all, I want to say thank you for having an awesome podcast. Um, I was able to listen to a few episodes and I just really appreciate the way that you just open space and hold space for people to just uh, be themselves and really talk about what's going on in their lives. So just thank you for, for doing this and thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for agreeing to chat with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to do it. So I, I think that that's a good place to start is like, who mm-hmm. is Chris Marshall? Um, because I think the last year I've really been trying to figure out who I am in relation to Sandsbar because um, yeah. a lot of people know or are learning about Sandsbar, but um, they don't understand how much of me, how much of Chris is in Sandsbar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the first time I, so we had our first pop-up in December of 2017. Okay. But that is not when I had the idea for Sandsbar. I had the idea for Sandsbar about two years before that. And, um, I decided to not put myself in any of it. I said, you know, uh, for one, I'm just not the kind of person that really likes attention in that way. Like, um, I, uh, you know, give me a cabin in the woods and I am like, good. Right. Like I, um, you know, I, I deal with social anxiety. That's part of my story. We'll talk about at some point, I'm sure. But like, Mm -hmm. I just, was certain that I did not need to be part of 
the Sandspar story. And so I had like this, like I did a GoFundMe campaign and I had like um, all these people. I like, I put together this video and it was like a really cool video with like happy, you know, in uh, YouTube music that they always like the same, like six songs that you hear on YouTube. Like I picked one of those. I sounded really happy and like had someone narrate it. Um, cause I felt like this, like the voice needed to be a certain kind of voice and my voice wasn't the right voice and my face wasn't the right face and my story mm. wasn't the right story. I completely removed myself from Zanzibar and it didn't really take off. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I wouldn't say it failed, but it just, it didn't have any spirit, uh, for lack of better words um my my friend Laura Silverman is uh famous for her um sober puns so yeah it, it lacked spirit as as Laura would say um yeah. I just I was I was absent I was not there and so um mm-hmm. you know I I kind of packed it up and said you know what maybe this just isn't the right thing and maybe this I'm not the right person mm. and uh went about uh my life as a professional counselor and I've been a okay. substance abuse counselor for eight years. Um, and then I decided that, you know, I was going to go back and try this again in December of 2017. Okay. Um, actually, around, around this time in 2017, I said, you know what? I'm going to go back and do this because um, this isn't about Chris and his insecurities. Um, mm. This is about people who need a sober inclusive safe space to create community Mm -hmm. and when i gave myself permission to be me with Mm -hmm. my imperfections with my mental health disorders of anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. um sans bar became i think what what it was supposed to be um i I don't want to say like what it what it should have been because it 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 is what it is and um and I, uh, yeah, like I just, I really was afraid to be myself. Um, and now I'm finding the power and vulnerability and the power of being um, myself and, and creating community with others mm-hmm. who are imperfect and who struggle just like I struggle. Mm. That is, I think, what Sandsbar is in a nutshell. Like that is, that is the community that I've created. Wow. Okay. What really okay. stuck out to me was like, I love how you use the word permission. How mm. you gave yourself permission. Yeah. So I started this, this whole journey of um, recovery because I, because my life was always about doing what everyone else wanted me to do or what I thought everyone else was doing. Mm. Um, when I was five years old, my father um, was diagnosed with schizophrenia and okay. um, my parents divorced. Um, my father couldn't be present in my life the way that he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I needed to be, Right. Like I was like some invisible force told me that I needed to be a five-year-old man of the house. And Mm. I tried so hard to make sure everyone was okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I, um, a teacher told me, I think in second grade, um, that all the answers to the world's problems were in books. And Mm. so, I decided to read every single book I could because I wanted to fix my dad because I felt responsible for uh, his illness. And Mm -hmm. I felt responsible for uh, his, for fixing him. And that is who I felt I should be. I should be the one to fix. I should be the one to attend. I should be the one, um, you know, who, who figures this out. And then all throughout elementary and middle school, I was, I thought I needed to be the kind of kid who made everyone laugh. And so I was the class clown and I was continually, 
um, getting in trouble in school. I was, I was always, um, going to the office and mm-hmm. when your mother's the principal of your elementary school that doesn't always work Ooh. out so well <laughs> uh you know uh, that that's that's not always the best thing but i i really thought that you know i if i could just make people like me enough um yeah. i would get this this validation and this validation would um fix the god-sized hole inside of me um, mm. I really, I really believed that if I was just everything to everyone, I would be okay. And so at what, seven, eight, I already had this pattern of thinking the external world was going to fix the internal condition. Mm. Um, and then I had my first drink at 16 and I, grew up in a fairly religious home and no mm. one in my family drank. Mm. Um, you know, I think my dad self-medicated, uh, but he, uh, wasn't again, present, very present in my life. And, um, I didn't witness people drinking. And in fact, I, I had made a little promise to myself not to drink until I was 18. I was like, I'm not going to touch the stuff. I see my friends drinking. I'm not going to drink. Okay. But then, uh, I saw people, drinking um and i and i i felt left out i felt like i wasn't a part of, of of the party and so i had my first drink at 16 i'll never forget it it was a hot july day in texas i mean it was hot um <laughs> i grew up in houston it was super hot and humid and we had this beer that had been sitting in someone's trunk all day Ooh. long um, and it and it was hot i mean it felt like it was boiling um <laughs> And the first drink I had um, of that beer, I, it was disgusting. It, it yeah. literally made me you know, like quiver. I, I, I did not, nothing in my body liked the way that that tasted. Right. But I liked the feeling of drinking with my friends because we had all done this thing together. Mm. And I've actually asked my friends, you know, I went back and asked my friends, you know, like, what was that day like for you? And they can't even remember that day. But for me, it was this moment where I became uh, part of a group where I uh, participated in a rite of passage that made me one of the one of the boys, maybe made me one of the group, made me feel Mm -hmm. a part of. um, And that was my story all throughout my drinking career was just Mm -hmm. trying to feel a part of, because part of me always felt inadequate. I always felt not good enough. Um, you know, I would go to college in San Antonio and my drinking, I was already, um, what, what I would say, you know, a substance dependent. I was alcohol dependent. Uh, I was drinking in the mornings, my freshman year of college, um, everyone was drinking a lot, but I was drinking in a way and at a pace mm-hmm. that was obviously unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I think the people around me in college understood. I joined a fraternity and even my fraternity brothers who, I mean, that's what you do <laughs> when you're yeah. in a college fraternity, you drink a lot. Even right. they were like, uh, you have a problem. Like you aren't wow. drinking just like the rest of us. Yes, we may be drinking at 9 a.m., but we right. we went to sleep. You've been drinking since Wednesday. Oh, Jesus. And and you know, it was just that and I, and I I just I mentioned that because I feel like so many people see people struggling and have no idea what to do. Yeah. You know, when you're 19 years old and you see someone struggling with alcohol and in college, what do you do? What, what is the bystander protocol for someone who sees someone struggling when, when you're just a kid yourself, you know? And so that's something that, that I, that I kind of, I'm thinking about just this in this moment, just how do we um, shift the conversation uh, on college campuses? Because I feel like that's, that's a big part of it. So I I completely uh, agree with you on that one. Like, absolutely. I I mean, kids are getting smarter, younger, and I feel like 15 year olds are the new 25 year olds. It's like, Mm -hmm. what? 
So, yeah, I think we need to tailor these conversations to that demographic as well. Absolutely. 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 Could not agree more. Um, mm. And so um, my drinking progressed. And as, as my drinking progressed, um, my mental health began to deteriorate. And, and mm. here came the great fear that I was going to be just like my dad, that I was going to be sick yep. just like he was. And um, depression became uh, a big part of my story. Um, I started to um, self-harm. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm still, I still have those scars today. You know, mm -hmm. I, um, was definitely in a place of absolute isolation and detachment from everyone. I was going to a bar and I'd, I'd feel so alone. Yeah. Um, I, I craved connection on a, on a magnitude that, um, it's hard to put into words. I, I really just wanted to be someone. I wanted to be acknowledged and a, a, appreciated by someone. Um, and I don't think I've, I don't, I've told this story, uh, you know, a thousand times, but I just think I just am realizing just how I'm remembering rather just how lonely I felt. Mm -hmm. Um, man. Yeah. Gosh. Um, I, you know, I would eventually go back home to, to Houston to live with my mom, uh, mm -hmm. couple stints in rehab. Um, eventually on February 16th, 2007, uh, mm -hmm. I got sober and I didn't want to stay sober. My plan was to go to rehab, to get out and, you know, kind of play the game with people like, Oh, I'm better. And look how I'm better. And yeah. I'm going to meetings. And like, I, that was the whole plan. I had a whole plan. Cause I was 23 and I was yeah. not, I was not done. How was I going to like live the rest of my life without alcohol? How was I going right. to, what, what was I going to toast with at my wedding? What was I going to do uh, mm. for football season? How was I going to live? It just didn't see, seem conceivable to me. Right. Um, so luckily for me, um, the mental health hospital that I went mm -hmm. to to get sober um, for the last time had this great alumni program and this alumni program um, completely just circled me and they, and they, mm -hmm. they just insisted that I hang out with them on Friday nights oh. and I hated it. I hated it. I, <laughs> I did, I did not like them. Uh, they're a bunch of old white people. And, and I just like, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't think it's fun. Um, but there was a guy in that group. His name was, his name was also Chris. Uh -huh. And he would say, you know, cause, cause Texas, like, Hey man, do you feel like you're a part of, do you feel like you belong? And I, and I would be like, uh, no, I don't. And he used to ask me that every time. Hey man, do you feel like you're a part of, do you feel like you belong? <laughs> And one day he asked me after mm -hmm. like staying up, um, we, we used to go to like dinner after a meeting and then we used to stay up all night at Starbucks, just getting like, you know, super, you know, caffeinated. Yeah. <laughs> he asked me that one night and I mm. said, yes. Wow. Yes. I feel a part of, yes, I feel connected. And I really believe that that is what got 23 year old me sober was having a community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What changed when he asked you that, that day or that night rather? I think it took me a while to realize how much I needed other people, mm. but more importantly, how much people liked me for me. Mm. Um, I was still, I mean, I, I was detoxing the first 18 months of my sobriety. Um, I had the shakes literally for 18 months after my last drink. I had seizures oh, wow. while I was in, when I was in a detox, like I, I had a very, very rough, um, first year or so. Yeah. And so there was nothing that I could do to make people laugh <laughs> Or make mm. people think I was cool. Cause there's nothing cool about, 
you know, shaking, trying to get water to your, I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny in the way that like, the way that I like yeah. mean to be funny, right? Like it, that was just like situational. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have a shtick. I didn't have anything that could make people like me more. I, I, I didn't have a great job and I couldn't, you know, really even hold a great job early in sobriety. Yeah. Um, I was looking like a hot mess because I was just getting sober. Like there was nothing about me that said like, I am someone you want to hang out with. Right. Um, no angles, no angles, no angles, no angles, like none, none. Yeah. But that's what made it beautiful yeah. is that there was none of that armor that I had wow. built over my lifetime. Um, and so it was easy to penetrate my heart and I was able to just be me. Messy, wow. anxious, freaking out, having panic attacks in public, like all of it. And they were there for it. They didn't say like, oh, you're weird. They're just like, mm. oh, yeah, I had a panic attack too the first time I went out and we went bowling. Like, yeah, that happens, you know? Um, mm -hmm. It was... The first time I had a community that, that accepted me for me and didn't ask me to be anything other than myself. And, uh, uh, I, I moved after my first year of sobriety. I moved to Austin, uh, to pursue a relationship that I created in rehab. That was okay. Just great. <laughs> just great. <laughs> yeah. And how no, did that work? Says, out for you? <laughs> yeah. No, nothing says. Nothing says love like, hey, we met in rehab. Um, you know, <laughs> um, I, mm -hmm. uh, no, I mean, and I, this is another thing I don't really talk about, but yeah, that relationship, um, you know, people ask me all the time, like, should I get into a relationship in the early days of my sobriety? Mm -hmm. And I say, sure, why not? Because, yeah. um, I, I, what I believe is that when you're done, you're done. And, okay. um, and, and you know you're done by the work you do, um, not necessarily the relationships that you create. Um, okay. I, I, uh, I believe that, you know, there's just, it's just like anything else. I mean, I know that the suggestion is sometimes that you don't make any major changes in your life, but, um, mm -hmm. at the same time, my experience just, just says like, it's absolutely possible because, um, I, I moved to Austin to be with this person. Um, who's a fantastic person. And as soon as we were together, it was like, oh my God, we're both insane. We're, oh, we're <laughs> both. Oh, oh no, no. Like this, this was great when absence makes the heart grow fonder, but actually You're being right. next to you, mm -mm -mm, yes. you know, like we're both healing. So, um, we broke up mm -hmm. and we both stayed sober. And okay. for the past, 12 years, 150 months, we text each other, uh, once a month, happy, you know, 150, whatever the month it is. We've been doing that for 12 right. years, have not wow. missed a month. Um, and, and, and that, that person became a really good friend, um, yeah. who, you know, has gone on to live a great sober life. But I, I just had so many awesome opportunities early in sobriety, which I think cemented the idea that being sober and living sober was not only fun, um, mm -hmm. but it was possible. Yeah. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable. 
that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com A-S-G-G. Wow. Okay. So what happened from there? Like, this is such a great story. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, okay. And then what happened after the relationship? (laughs) So, so the relate, I mean, and that's where, you know, before we were talking, uh, I I told you that I I recently lost my, my father and then my, my uncle passed away, uh, this Sunday. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so two major losses in rapid succession and, um, I, I believe that there are no accidents. Yeah. And right now, like as my heart is hurting, mm-hmm. um, as <sighs> I, I get ready to go and, um, be with my family this Friday again mm-hmm. after a sudden death again in less than two weeks. Um, I'm reminded that there are no accidents and that relationship um, ended at a perfect time in my life mm. because I was in Austin. I didn't know anyone. We, I had to find a different meeting cause we were going to the same meeting and that would just, right. that was weird. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I had to just figure out life. And one thing that someone suggested to me was, Hey, why don't you go to the local community college and take an aptitude test and see what you're good at. Um, yeah. Um, okay. They, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things that it said I was good at. None of them paid a lot of money. Uh, (laughs) you know, just, just my lot in life. But, uh, (laughs) one, one thing that, that stuck out to me was, you know, counselor. And I said, Mm. counselor. Now that's, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and take that class. And I, and I, I started, started the, the program there at Austin Community College and, mm-hmm. um, there are no mistakes. And so in that class, the first class I took the very first day, um, I met a, well, she's a woman. <laughs> uh, I was going <laughs> to say I met a girl because it feels like it was so long ago, but, uh, I, I met, I met a woman, um, who was sitting behind me and mm-hmm. I introduced myself. And that woman is now my wife. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. No like, and, and, you know, it's crazy. It's like, that was also her last class. No. So had we taken a different class at different semesters, if I had decided to wait a semester, if she had decided to go take that class a semester earlier, yeah, we would have never met. Um, and so it's just, Life is a bridge of incidents and things just happen the way that they need to happen. And, um, and, and sometimes it's not always apparent what that, what that is, but eventually, you know, it, it, it manifests and materializes into what it needs to be in it. And then you understand exactly why things had to happen the way that they do. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. I have chills. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, just like I need to go I, enroll uh, in all these courses. Like, where's my person? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I think that's what happens. It's like I was also remember, remember, like you know, since I was five years old, always looking for this validation, always looking for this acceptance, always looking for for this idea of external love being the the thing that fixes my internal nature. And when I stopped looking for it, when I stopped, I wasn't even looking for that. I was just looking to start this new career path. Yeah. And at 25 and, you know, then this relationship just comes into my life and, and it was incredible. So, uh, I go 
through the courses. I, I you know, I, I go through an internship and I decide that this is what I want to do. And, and, um, you know, now we're starting to kind of get to like, we're starting to bridge like present day with the past. So mm-hmm. I start, start doing my work as a counselor. I work for a mental health, um, and substance abuse dual diagnosis outpatient clinic. And, um, I, I, I guess I've always been a pro, a, a problem solver or someone who, again, because again, since I was like, you know, a kid, I've been trying to, I've always looked at systems and I've always looked at like ways to solve systems because I, I just saw my dad as like this puzzle, this, this enigma that I, that I needed to solve. So I'm always looking, I guess I'm always looking at like systems and the system that I found myself in working in the substance abuse field was a system that was designed for partial success. Mm. Okay. And I, I still think that, that, that this is the truth that okay. we in the industry set people up for partial success. Okay. How um, so? Okay. So you go to, you go to rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn all the, all the vocabulary, all the, the lingo you learn, uh, about triggers. You may learn about kind of stages of change. You may learn about, um, you know, goodness gracious, you know, all, all these different things that we kind of talk about in, in your basic, you know, residential or outpatient curriculum. We, it's, it's the same thing no matter where you go. You can go, you right. know, I, I've, I've worked at, you know, facilities that, you know, were very high end and I've worked at facilities that, that, only took in people that had no insurance. Mm. And so I, the through line is we always talk about the same basic things, right? And okay. one thing that we never do is to, to really focus on what happens outside of treatment. We really don't prepare yep. people to, to, to succeed outside of treatment. So mm-hmm. people will do well. They'll go, and that's this is what I was seeing over and over again. People would go to uh, IOP. They do very, very well. Uh, they go to aftercare for maybe three to six months. They do, you know, well because they have accountability through drug testing and mm-hmm. through, you know, signing up, you know, some kind of form saying you're going to meetings. You have all this accountability of all this this community, but then as soon as your insurance ends, or as soon as, um, you know, you ha- you graduate aftercare. That's it. Mm. That's it. And, and right. we've, we've given people tools, but we haven't given them a place to work on those tools. Like yeah. if you don't, if you don't maintain your tools, they, they fall apart. Right. And so, so I think of Sandsbar as kind of a workshop to work on your tools. It's the place where you go to sharpen your tools. Yeah. Um, Flex those muscles. Flex those muscles. And, and I think that, um, well, I hope that the future of substance abuse treatment includes, um, it doesn't have to be Sandsbar, but it includes some kind of connection to community. And mm-hmm. um, most people at this point, most people say, well, isn't that what 12-step groups are for? And I would yeah. argue that, that that's not true for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, are, do you do 12 steps? No, I mean, I, when I was first trying to get sober for 10 years, I was in and out. Um, but eventually I just, you know, what? straight up. It didn't make me feel good. I didn't okay. connect to the program and I went a, a different path. Um, okay. I went more of this, I would not self-help, but I definitely leaned in hard on therapy um and just i mean it took me 10 years <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of self-reflection a lot of you know just trying to get the value of sobriety down was mm-hmm. a, an animal in itself um but once i i did that and once i changed my mindset of like you know i wasn't losing anything i always thought i was coming from a place of lack if i if i didn't if I couldn't drink, you know, mm. I was always like reprimanding myself. Like you're bad that you can't do this. If you do this, this bad stuff will happen. Just living in fear, all in fear. Mm. 
And Absolutely. so when I, when I released that and was like, Hey, I have all the choices. I have all the power in the world. What do I want? When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria LG Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. You know, and how do I get there? Drinking mm-hmm. is not going to get me to my end goals. Mm-hmm. Just, it's just not. And so that made it so much, not easier, but just clearer. And it's like, okay, by not drinking, I'm gaining so much more. And it's, I mean, trust me, it is so much more. <laughs> like beyond what I could ever, ever, ever think of. Like I was oh, a little, absolutely. I was a little shit. I was a club DJ for Christ's sake. Like I was, <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, I was paid to party. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So like, I know, like I never thought that I would be this woman at all. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, <laughs> oh, me too. I, I'm, I'm very happy for you. And I think that. Um, that's the story of a lot of people. I mean, I think, uh, some of the things I heard you just say, you know, just really resonate with what I hear a lot. And, um, the 12 steps did work for me. And, um, and I think that that's, that's worth noting that it did work for me. Um, but yeah. I, I, I think that, um, all too often what happens is that people, use the 12 step program or expect a lot. They expect a lot of things out of the 12 step program. One of the yeah. things that they expect is uh, community. And, and that's something that is not in any of the steps. It, it doesn't okay. nowhere in the, in the text. Does it say that uh, none of the promises say that you're going to have this fantastic community of well-adjusted mentally well people. Like right. <laughs> that is not something that that's a byproduct of, being, you know, in meetings, but that's not something that, that always happens. And I think that, um, mm-hmm. even people in AA are, oh, you know, forgive me for 12 step programs. Cause it's not just one particular, but I think a lot of people in 12 step programs feel like, um, the place that they get their medicine, right. They get their solution should be the same place that they get their, their society. And I mm-hmm. don't think that that is necessarily always true. Um, and so I think a lot of people end up kind of breaking away because they're like, well, wait a second, where's this need I have for, I want community and I want community of different people. And I want to, I want to be part of community that doesn't always just focus on, on drinking. And I want to be, I want to be part of a community that focuses on living and, uh, and, yeah. and wellness and being, um, free from all that stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I, I totally respect people's um, relationship with 12, because everyone has a relationship with the 12 step kind yeah. of thought, even if they don't ascribe to it, there, there's a relationship there. And, and I, I just respect everyone's, um, you know, orientation to that, to that relationship. Um, yeah. but I, I, I mentioned that because I feel like, you know, that is part of what makes Sands Bar 
um, special is that uh, we're not an extension of 12-step programs. We, we in fact, did an informal poll the last quarter of 2018, last year, mm-hmm. and um, 75% of the people that come to Sandsbar do not identify as being, quote-unquote, in recovery. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most people, uh, when you know, when asked, say that they're sober curious. Um, okay. I know you, you had Ruby Warrington on earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, sober curious, or you know, somewhere along the sobriety spectrum. Right. And I think that that is important for people to take into account that not everyone is on the same end of the spectrum. And sometimes, um, I feel like people on, on either end of the spectrum can look at the other side and say, well, that's not right because it's not what I, not the way that I view my relationship with alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen people in the recovery community say like, oh, wow, sober curious, like that's, that's not a real thing. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it delegitimizes what we're doing. And then I've seen mm-hmm. people on the sober curious side say, well, you know, you know, 12 sub groups are brainwashing and they're, you know, making you believe something that you don't right. want to believe. Um, and I think each per each faction fails to see, uh, you know, just just where the other person's coming from, because on exactly. either side of that, you have something that saves your life, like or changes your life. Yeah. So even if you're not an alcoholic, even if you don't believe in the words like disease or powerlessness. You had something, a series of events that made you evaluate your relationship with drinking, period. Mm-hmm. You don't have to call that a bottom, even though technically that is, that, that's a point in your life where you decided to, to, to take a turn. To um, change. Yeah. Or to change, right? Like you, you, you decided that, that the evidence was overwhelming in your life that you needed to do something different, right? And then on the other end of things, if you, you know, identify as alcoholic, you had a bottom. Um, mm-hmm. You also had periods in that in that experience where you were not sure about whether you were an alcoholic or not either. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. give people a break, right? Like, it's, yeah. if someone isn't ready to call themselves, um, you know, substance dependent or um, you know, sober forever, like, let them have their experience and let other yeah. people have their own experience. So. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit about like what forms Sandsbar because I wanted to create a space where all of that, the entire spectrum, um, yeah. of sobriety was welcome. And, uh, and so again, seeing all these things happening, seeing these patterns in the system of people mm-hmm. not getting better, um, I decided to create Sandsbar and, um, it, it, that's, that's kind of what you see today. In, in Sandsbar. Wow. That is so awesome. And I couldn't agree with you more. Like, can't we just all come together and have a good time? Like drop the labels, drop, you know, kind of the fighting. It's just like, let's just have a good time at a really right. cool I mean, place. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that that's, that's my hope is that, you know, there, there is a movement happening and, yeah. um, it's it's you know these sober bars that are popping mm-hmm. up. It's um, Ruby. It's uh, Ruby Warrington. Uh, you know, sober curious. It's uh, she recovers. It's the Tempest. It's uh, Sobriety Collective. Laura Silverman. It's it's a lot of things happening all at once, and mm-hmm. most social movements dissolve because of division yes because there's so much infighting between different different points on on a on a spectrum right there's so many people some people are more conservative more people are liberal more people are um you know uh, if you're talking about you know um any social movement you always have people within the movement who just see things differently and Mm -hmm. um i i just think that Moving forward, we, we should all just celebrate our diversity and, and, and really cheer each other on. Yes, I definitely agree. I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in competition at all. I just mm. don't. 
because we are all so different. You know, there's different strokes for different folks. There's enough right. for all of us. There really is. There's really enough for everyone. So there, there's, and the beautiful thing about um, what I think a, most people in this space are trying to do is they're trying to help people. And the truth about people is that they're complicated. And so you almost need uh, a thousand different ways or a thousand different approaches or a thousand different uh, podcasts or a thousand different, you know, like you need that many to reach that many. Um, right. And, and there's this like scarcity mentality, like, oh, like I have to, I have to, you know, dominate the podcast realm because if I don't, then, or if, you know, if anyone else yeah. comes into it, then it's competition. Like, no, <laughs> there's plenty of people like, who need yeah. to hear, uh, your podcast or another person's podcast. There's other people who need to go to Sands Bar in Austin or, uh, getaway bar in uh, Brooklyn or listen bar in New York. Like there's so, like there's so much happening because there's so many people that really, really need to connect. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And on that note, where can we find Sands bar? Where can we come visit you? Okay. Okay. So now, now, <laughs> now, we'll, now we'll talk about Sands bar. We spent 40 minutes talking. I'm proud. I'm proud. Like, uh, I really, uh, I really want to talk about myself and really want to talk about, um, you know, me, I've, I've been using the words me and I a lot. I've been hearing myself say, and I, I just count that as a good thing because again, that was a big struggle of mine was to incorporate who I was into this deal. So, um, yeah. so, you know, two minute, like history of Sands Bar in Austin. So we started off as a pop-up in 2017, okay. started doing monthly pop-ups around town. Anywhere we could find space, uh, yeah. you know, uh, retail spaces, you know, salons, uh, yoga studios. We finally found a brick and mortar location in May of 2018. Okay. Um, and we, we've been open, uh, at that location, uh, weekly ever since. So we're open weekly Amazing. in Austin. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, you know, maybe in October of last year, uh, 2018, I decided that, you know what, this idea, uh, of Sands Bar is great. And, and mm -hmm. I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to have this experience. And so I, I decided to do something that to my knowledge has never been done in American history. Um, I decided to embark on a nine city tour across the country. Whoa. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Where especially did, where because I have up? a, like, I have an intense fear of flying. Um, <laughs> and, uh, did not think that through when creating this tour. Like, didn't think it through. Just thought, you know, I'm just going to go to these places. I, I thought, I don't know if I thought I was going to teleport or what was going to happen. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do this and I have no money. Like, that's the other, you know, like, yeah, and I was like, I, I don't have like a ton of money behind me. I'm a counselor. My wife's a teacher, you know, um, yeah. I, I, but I was like, you know what? We're going to just see if it's possible. And so, uh, we linked up with fantastic organizations from Anchorage, Alaska to New York city and all points in between, uh, wow. to create this Sandsbar national tour. Um, we, uh, have gone to every city on the tour. Uh, I just got back from Nashville. August 3rd, and we will wrap up the tour proper in LA, uh, mm. September 29th. Amazing. Yes. Where is it, where is it going to be in LA? It's going to be in, uh, kind of, uh, mid city LA. Okay. Um, yeah, we're doing, we're working with this great artist. Her name's true and she has an art exhibit. And so we're kind of partnering up to create this, um, kind of all senses welcomed uh, experience where you're going to get this great visual experience from this fantastic pop artist. You're going to have delicious mocktails from Sands Bar. You're going to have great live music from local LA musicians. Uh, and you're going to, um, you know, just have this great feeling of connection 
uh, within community because that's what I, that's what I do. So no matter where we were on this tour, uh, mm-hmm. Anchorage, Alaska was fantastic. Uh, it was a coffee shop. Uh, cool. and we took over this coffee shop, um, some great acoustic music and we just, we celebrated, you know, our time together in this cozy little coffee shop. And then cool. two weeks later in 4,300 and something miles later, I was in New York city. Uh, <laughs> wow. you know, yeah, partying it up with New Yorkers who, who can only party like New Yorkers. Um, <laughs> In, in on the Lower East Side. So it was like, this has been my life this year has been like traveling, like, you know, crazy distances, having incredible parties with people. And just like you got paid to party, like, that's how I, that's how I make my living now. I, yeah. I party sober with all these very cool people. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. Did you ever think that you would be doing this? Like, no, in your wildest <laughs> dreams? No, no. I mean, yeah. A year ago today, I was probably sitting in my office talking to a client uh, or doing documentation because that was most of my work as a counselor's documentation. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was my life. A year ago, I mean, I was we were doing Sands Bar every Friday, but I was also working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I could not have imagined the kind of opportunities that I have today. I couldn't have imagined um, the people that I've met, the thousands of people now I've met on the road. Um, and, uh, this is just the beginning We're we're going to, uh, in fact, I think you're, this is an official, this is an exclusive rather exclusive. Um, we are going international, uh, in October. Yeah. So we're, we're going to have our first pop-up in Toronto, Canada. (gasps) Cool. Yes. Um, again, not a fan of flying, but decided, (laughs) Hey, Let's, you know, I'm right next door to Mexico and could have just driven to Mexico and made yeah. it an international thing. But no, no, no. Let's fly to Toronto and uh, and do this. So um, I will be having a uh, Sandsbar Toronto launch. And we're actually working on creating, you know, kind of a permanent presence in Toronto because we want, okay. um, you know, people from all over to be able to experience um just, this, this just really incredible heart to heart connection that we really work to engineer, mm. uh, at Sandspot. We really, we're not about, and again, there's different strokes for different folks, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I think Sandspot is a different kind of sober bar because we are not about the party. Mm. Like no one's dancing on the bars at Sandspot. Like it's, um, it's really, designed so that the energy is um conducive for connection right like we want we want to create all the elements that create that heart-to-heart connection and we you know every friday night we kind of say like okay here's the sands bar challenge the sands bar challenge is that you go um to someone that you don't know in this bar and that you just introduce yourself you learn to sharpen those tools that you learned in rehab or just like you said, through self-help, mm-hmm. like you learn to become vulnerable. You learn to become yourself. You learn to seek um, connection over validation. Um, those things are, I think, what make Sandspar unique because I really look at this more as a clinician than as a business person or as a bar owner. Right. Uh, you know, I... I don't have any bar experience. I don't, this is the first business I've ever tried to open ever in life. Wow. <laughs> like That's I don't have incredible. any other experience. Yeah. yeah. Like this is, this is the first one and people are like, yeah, this, this isn't usually what happens with your first business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really am more focused on people creating community because, uh, I believe that that's what makes that's what will make sober bars successful moving forward. Um, my goal, my end vision is to make Sands Bar the Starbucks of sober socialization. Cool. Um, I want there to be a Sands Bar in every major country on this planet in a yeah. decade's time. Do it. Let's get her done. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. do it. I'm I'm let's do it. Look, I, I'm ready to go. I'm excited. 
uh, you know, for the future. And, uh, again, just am so honored to have had this opportunity because, um, this, this is my, this is my third child. Yeah. Uh, this, this is the thing that I've, I've sacrificed so much for. Um, and this is something that means something to me because this week, which has been the, the, one of the darkest weeks of my sobriety, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm so glad to be sober. Um, because I've, I've had the opportunity to feel everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, like, now, now I'm getting emotional. What makes Sandsbar special and what made this mean so this, this this horrible time in my life mean so much to me is that the very community that I created, right? The the work, the sweat, the blood I've put into this, the miles that I've traveled, when I needed community, mm-hmm. that community has been here for me this week. Yeah. Wow. And I think that that's that's what Sandspar is. Yeah, that's powerful. People, yeah, and people have stepped up and offered, like, "Hey, can I help you bartend? What can mm-hmm. I do? Like, can I help you with this? Can I help you like clean up at night? Um, you know, how can I help you?" Um, and then just to be human enough to say, like, "Yeah, I need help. Yes, yeah. I, I can't. I can't. Yes, my anxieties." a little bit more than it normally is like, no, I'm not okay. Like I've been able to say that to that community and that community has just, just absolutely just loved on me. Mm -hmm. Um, in the same way that that community in that first year loved me and I feel a part of, and I feel connected and I feel very fortunate to have, um, such incredible friends. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Chris, thank you so, so much for sharing your story and sharing about Sandsbar and about yourself. Thank you for doing the work on yourself and giving the world this beautiful gift that is Sandsbar. Thank you. I think, I think we're both, me and Sandsbar are, are both a work in progress. And, um, and I, and I have no problem with either of us, both of us growing in public and, and grow and being, uh, imperfect. Um, that's the beautiful thing about having that internal, um, that internal piece is that, yeah, we're still growing. We're going to get things wrong, but, um, you know, I'm not afraid to be who I am today. And, yeah. uh, I think that's a lot of, a lot of what I found at Sandsbar. So, um, no, thank you for having me on. I just appreciate the the conversation. And, uh, again, just congratulations on such a wonderful podcast and, and, and honestly just being, uh, a great human being. Cause I, I watch your, your stories on Instagram, um, <laughs> all the time. And, you know, oh, you can either you. like, you can either like watch that, that first 30 seconds or you can like watch it on IGTV. And I actually watch a lot of what you put out there because you are just, Sometimes you just speak to my heart and oh, you don't even know you. it. So <laughs> thank you for just, if you think no one's watching, like, and I mean, yeah. of course you can see how many people watch your video, but, but if you, if you think like, you're, like that is making a huge difference to me and I need to say that because life is short. Like, thank you for coming into my life every day uh, via Instagram and, and just giving me sunshine. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, that means a lot to me. Really. Thank you. How amazing is Chris? If you want to keep up with him and Sandsbar, head on over to thesandsbar.com and check out all his events, his pop-up stores. He is all over the place. Next stop is LA. So all my LA people, head over to thesandsbar.com for event details. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. Love hearing your feedback. And today we're going to read one of your amazing 
comments on the podcast. If you are an iTunes user, head over to A Sober Girl's Guide and leave us a comment. Today's review is from CLCJZL. Not sure how to pronounce that, so I'm not even going to try. She writes, every episode has gems. Jess's style is natural. Her guests are perfectly human. I find a takeaway, validation, or laughs, maybe tears, in every episode. So refreshing and much appreciation for the work that goes into creating this. Thank you so much. If you want your review to be featured on the podcast, go ahead and write us a review and we'll post it up next week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girls Guide and the blog. Don't forget the blog. Head over to asobergirlsguide.com. We have everything from events, group coaching, coaching packages. We have it all. Head over to asobergirlsguide.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.